Make yourself comfortable. Let's get into the Word and see what the Lord has to say. <clears throat> I, lo I love the way uh, MJ started this out. It's like, hey, let's just all take a collective breath. And I'm not saying that to say God is still on the throne. And Listen, God is still on the throne. He's not abdicating it to anybody else. But that doesn't mean this or this was what was supposed to happen. It just simply means that God is still on the throne. And if God is on the throne, then we still have a mission. And if we still have a mission, then we have to get to the work of the mission. And we need to be aware of that. But sometimes we just need to take a step back and it would be really cool if we could just like go zipping out to outer space and I think uh, Francis Chan might have done this or one of those you know um, big time um, preachers <clears throat> where they kind of like zoomed in on where their church was and just slowly withdrew until they were like way out past Andromeda or something like that and suddenly we realized that in the scope of things this is how big we really are okay actually it's in the big scope of things, this is how small we really are, and God is taking care of all of this. And so if we can just, like MJ said, take a collective deep breath, and I always say, hold it for just a second until it just, you know, starts to calm you inside, and then let it out. We're going to be in good shape, okay? It's going to be good. It, it really is, and I'm excited about that. Actually, Pastor Janice was supposed to be sharing with you this, uh, this morning, and, uh, and I just said, you know what? There's something on my heart that I want to share, and I really want to get away from all the Politico stuff, and so we're not, we're not touching that. We're, we're like, we're here this morning for Jesus. That's what we're here for. Plain and simple, not going to change, and, and that's where we're going to stay. And so I, uh, I have one of these um, that I carry around. You can see I've carried around for quite a while. Um, it needs a new cover, and I probably should do something about that. But um, I, I love this thing. It's called a Bible. And I'm just telling you, if you want to get to know who Jesus is, like I said last week, you know, one of the things we got to do, maybe it was a week before, we, we got to get in the Bible in order to get the Bible inside of us because this isn't working. I just want you to know this is not working. The other thing that's not working that I've, I've come to just see is reading all the memes that get posted on social media, okay? Reading all the biblical memes that get posted on social media is not giving you an understanding of what the Scripture says, okay? It's, it's not going to help me either. That, the social media is not my quiet time. Okay, I need to be in the Word to get the Word inside of me. And so I want to look at something this morning. Before I jump into that, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Fathers, we come before you right now. You said that if we asked, actually your son said, that if we asked how much more, because we, we know how to give good gifts to our children, and, and we're not like righteous or anything outside of Christ, but how much more does our Father in Heaven want to give good things to us, specifically His Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we say, come Holy Spirit, knowing full well that you're here, that there's no place that you're not, but we don't know how else to say it, Lord. We say, come. We bow our heads and we let go of all the yesterdays. We take a deep breath because we're going to move forward as a church, as, a, as individuals who are part of the kingdom of God. We're going to move forward, Lord. And we just ask your forgiveness for our sin. We pray that you would help us to forgive those who sin against us. We ask and pray that you would give us today our daily bread. We thank you and praise you that you want to give us so much more that we might do your work, Father. And so we thank you for that today as we prepare to receive it. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Okay, this is what I want to read with you. If you've got one of these things or if you want to pull out your smartphone, your smart iPad, your smart, whatever you've got that's got electronics in it that's smart, okay, you can pull that baby out. And I want you to go to Genesis, okay, that's the first book in the Bible, 
All right, I'm not making fun of you. Okay, there was a time in my life I was like, oh, where is that one at? So I turned to the book of contents, and I found it. It was on page one. Okay? So I want to encourage you, and I'm going to look at verse one. We don't often go to the very beginning, and we don't often go to the very end. We often preach somewhere in the middle of everything about what God's doing, what God wants to do, and how it's all going, but let's go to the beginning, and I want to just talk to you this morning about nothing in the world but everything in the kingdom of God. You decide whether or not you're a follower of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, you decide right now. Okay, is Jesus more important in your life, or maybe you're in here looking for Jesus to be more important in your life, honestly, than the rest of this world? Because we have got to get to that place. We have to get to the place where making disciples is primarily and singularly the most important thing in your life. I don't care what your job is. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care where you work. I don't care how many kids you've got. I don't care what your education is. What I care about is, are you chasing Jesus Christ? And are you as a result of that? Because Christ lives inside of you. And if he lives inside of you, he is not going to stop making disciples. So are you making disciples? The scripture says in Genesis 1, 1 through 1, 5, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was, uh, important thing for you to circle in your Bible just because, okay, just circle that and go back to it later. You'll notice it has a little letter next to it, and that's okay. The earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and uh, the Spirit of God, capital S, the Holy Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that there was light, excuse me, that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and there was the first day. In the beginning, some of the most powerful words ever penned in all of history are in the beginning. Think about this for just a second. Think about day one of your relationship to Jesus. Do you remember day one of your relationship with Jesus? Man, day one of my relationship to Jesus, when I came, um, um, well, I, I knew who Jesus was, but when, when I was crying and when I was weeping and I was in my car and I totally understood at this point, I'd been attending a church for a while, but I totally understood what it was God was trying to do in my life and get across to me. And so I'm driving and I came to that place where I wanted to surrender my life to Jesus and I suddenly realized Joe Wood is born a filthy, you know, dark sinner and he's driving along and he's, he heard a message and, and now now he's got Jesus over here, and Jesus is saying, and I love you so much, and I'm weeping, and I'm driving along, um, and, and, and life was good. But in that moment, that said, I said, God, I give up. I surrender. Do you remember how good it felt in the beginning to be so clean? It was one of those things where it's like, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Seriously, that's a biblical statement, okay? I'm not being heretic. And he took my sin. Lord, you better bring me home now because I'm about to screw it all up. 
Because we just we still struggle in our humanity. But if we sin, we have somebody who is faithful and just forgive us of our sins if we will admit to our sins. And, and, and okay, we all have all that. But remember in the beginning. Hey, do you remember day one? If you're married in here, do you remember day one of your marriage? Just for a second. Can you remember day one? Can you remember when the, the preacher, whoever it was, your uncle, your grandpa, whoever it was, and they said, and this is what they said, I now pronounce you Mr and Mrs. Joseph Wood. And it was like, I've got a wife. I hope she doesn't open her eyes and see me. She might be like, buyer's remorse. You know, but it was like, I remember it's like we were married and we had a whole new life. And it was like unfolding in front of us in the world. And, and, and even some people who were near and dear to us were against us. And we were like linked arm in arm. And it was like us against the world. And we're going to win this thing <clears throat> because we're chasing Jesus and we're chasing each other. You remember day one in the beginning. What about the day your child was born, if you've got children? You remember that first child was born, you know? You're all like super macho, and you can handle the world. And then the doctor says, hey, you want to deliver this child? And you're like, yeah, I can do this. And he says, stand here and catch. <laughs> and out comes this little baby with so much hair, and you're like, And suddenly you're just mush. You're mush. But in that moment, you had that child and that experience for each one of them because you anticipate and anticipate and anticipate. And suddenly there's, in the beginning, there's day one. And it's like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. Day one of your first job. Day one of your 30th job, but day one. You show up at work with so much anticipation of good things, right? You don't show up and go, well, man, I just got this new job, and it's got a new salary, and it's going to suck. You know, people are going to be mean. They're not going to pay attention. They're not going to do what I say. They're, not gonna, they're just going to make it rough for me. I hope I get through day one. No, you don't. You go into the, to the job and you're like, yes, I'm king of the world. I'm going to do the best job ever. These people have been waiting for me, okay? And I'm about to show them. And, and we think it's going to be great because day one is so absolutely amazing. Well, that's what's going on in, in the beginning. Everything is exciting. Everything is new. Everything is full of potential and dreams. And that was in the beginning in the book of Genesis the earth. There was darkness. It was dark. And then the light appeared be just simply because God said so. That's all. And it begins to unfold. Throw this picture up there. It was pure. It was pristine. It was unmolested. It was unpolluted. There was no evil. It was sacred. It was a holy moment in the beginning when it's just absolutely God is doing amazing things. That's a shot from the Hubble telescope. 
doing it from NASA, doing it. It's just like it's out there, out there, out there. And you think, well, that's colorized. and that's No, that's just a shot. And, and you get an idea that God created light, and it's absolutely magnificent. And it's, it, there's nothing wrong and at this point sinful and awful. And, and you just look at that, and you think, wow. All the while knowing that as, as the heavens are going, Lord, you are one kind of artist. Wow. All the while knowing that you're about to launch a drama that plays out very expensively for Jesus. God knew what was going on. He knew what was coming. In all of this beauty and all of this glory, he still knew what was coming down the pike. God created and set the world in motion. And then Satan lit the match and the battle was on. As a matter of fact, there is a war going on in heaven between Satan, between Jesus, between the most beautiful, amazing angel that God ever created who served God. There's a war going on back and forth, okay? And God ends up throwing him out of heaven. And in the course of events, one-third of all of the angels, and we don't know what that number is, but one-third of all the angels fall to earth with him because he rebelled. He was the most glorious, most beautiful, most artistic, and he began to let it go to his head just like we do. Don't think ill of him any more than we should of ourselves because pretty soon we think, God, I'm pretty smart. God, I'm pretty good. God, I'm leading your church. God, I'm doing what you want me to do. God, you must be pretty impressed with me. And, and then how many times do we go, Lord, that's not what I wanted you to do. Like we're supposed to sit on the throne instead of God sitting on the throne. See? We rebel a little bit inside of our souls when we're not really paying attention. We're like, God, this is not what I signed up for. Yes, it is. Sometimes we need to suffer in order to heal. Sometimes we need to suffer in order to grow. Without death, life doesn't mean anything. Without suffering, peace doesn't mean that much. But look at what the scripture says about this Lucifer, this Satan, this most beautiful angel that began to think more of himself than he should. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone ordained you, adorned you, excuse me, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your city settings and mountings were of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You are on the holy mount, you were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you guardian cherub from the fiery stones your heart became proud on account of your beauty it was your beauty that you trusted in that people would follow you because you were good looking and you were charismatic and and he says um, because of your splendor so I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings and we see this battle begins between Satan between God and it's a very real battle it's not a story for Netflix it's not a movie it's not a, a, a whitewash thing it's a very real battle that is going on between Satan and between God 
John tells us in the book of Revelation, then war broke out in the heavens. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, the, the dragon, was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the, uh, the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, for that's what Satan means, it means accuser, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. And that scripture is just letting you know. You know, when you open up the book of Revelation, okay, just go through it slowly. Don't go through it looking for some secret code. Don't go through and look at things, okay, let me tell you what this, you know. Just, just stop and take a deep breath and understand this. The book of Revelation was written over 2,000 years ago, okay? And it opens with things that have already happened. I say opens, it's in the 12th chapter. Some of the things in the book of Revelation have already happened. Some of the things in the book of Revelation are happening right now. Some of the things in the book of Revelation are yet to happen. So you can't read it like the whole book of Revelation is way over there and it's not here yet. And so it starts with this idea, or actually in the middle of it, we see the actual telling of the history of spiritual things, and that is that Satan was cast down to earth with a third of his angels because there's a battle going back and forth and back and forth. It is a very, as a matter of fact, we are in the middle of the battle we are in the middle of a very real war. It's taking place, and, and here we are. This is a crazy thing. This battle's been going on for six or 7,000 years, at least, maybe longer. It did not start yesterday. It's the battle between God and Lucifer, between heaven and hell, between Jerusalem and Babylon, between eternal life and eternal death, because everybody will live eternally. Everybody will. It's just a matter of where with God or in the darkness in the fire without God those are the only two options you and I believe it or not are the goal of this battle the treasure that we're being fought over you ever thought about that you are the very thing that is in the middle between the devil and between God, and they are fighting these little tiny battles the wars won in Jesus Christ it's finished. But there are still these battles that are going back and forth and back and forth for your attention, for your choices, for you personally. The devil is doing everything he can to pull you. God is doing everything he can to invite you. And we are going back and forth and back and forth. God, is want to, God wants to invite us back into the family. Satan is wanting us to die in short-sighted choices that we make ourselves. Wisdom, greed, lust, rebellion, fame, lies, drugs, and power. Satan is just over there inviting you to believe his lies. God is over here inviting you to walk with him. Satan's not asking you to walk with him. He's asking you to believe him so that you will make choices that do not have God in them. Both are giving us an invitation. Both are saying, come, 
follow me. Only one, only one is truth. The other is a complete liar. One is inviting you out of love and has paid a terrible price for your salvation. But understand this. The devil is inviting you into what you think is fun and into sin and into rebellion and into destruction out of vengeance because he's not mad at you. He's mad at God. And so his only way of attacking God is to suck God's children away from him. Think about that for a second. You're in the middle of a battle and you're the prize. The crazy thing is the war's been won the battles are still being played out. And we don't always see that. You know, I was thinking about that when I was writing this sermon, and, and this was on my, on, my, on my heart. You know, sometimes we don't understand that the war is won, and we live like the war hasn't been won. If the war's won, then why am I in a battle? This is not fair. This is not right. This is not good. This is not healthy. And so I was looking for an example. I was looking for an illustration that talked about that. And, and, and it's, it's a little tiny bit backwards, but it still makes the same point. Hiru Onada was a Japanese soldier, 20 years old, from World War II. He got um, called up. He went to, to boot camp. And then he was a guerrilla fighter. He was not part of the normal army. You might call it special forces in World War II, whatever. But he was a guerrilla fighter. Him and three other guys, there was four of them, that were put on the island of Lubang in, Philipp in the Philippines. And they were put there in 1944, I think is what it was. 1944. They were inserted behind enemy lines, and, and, and this is what their orders were. You are absolutely forbidden to die by your own hand. It may take three years, it may take five years, but whatever happens, we'll come back for you. Until then, so long as you have one soldier, you are to continue to lead him. You may have to live on coconuts, and if that's the case, then you live on coconuts. Under no circumstances are you to give up voluntarily. 1944. He finally surrendered in 1975. 29 years later. He had been skirmishing with the Philippines. He had been killing people. They dropped leaflets all over the forest or the jungle trying to get him to understand that the war was over but his problem was there was no place in his mind, in his understanding, that Japan lost. And because of that, every time they would drop leaflets, he would say, nope, that's just a trick of the enemy because there's no way we lost. We are going to win this thing. And, and, and honestly, he kept killing civilians. He kept killing their, their, their livestock in order to, to, to um, serve himself, to, to feed himself. And it, and it just so happened that in 1974, there was a, a, a young Japanese guy that was going to travel the world, and he decided one of the things he was going to do, he, this guy became known, but nobody could find him. And, and this, this young kid was going to go see if he couldn't find a panda, find the abominable snowman, and find um, Hiru Onada. Well, he found Hiro Onara. And he finally convinced him that the war was in fact over. See? But look at the tenacity of this man to stay at the mission. We have to understand that the war has been won. We have to live in the victory and understand that even the battle 
is ours. We need a mindset like this guy that says, there is no way God lost. And even if I have to go through this difficult time, there is no way the enemy wins. So I can go through this. I can do this. I want to share with you today that I believe that the enemy wants to wreck your family. When we look at what's going on all over the world, I've been thinking for the last three or four months, Lord, families, what's happening to our families? What's going on with our families? It just feels like the enemy's coming in, the enemy's coming in, the enemy's coming in, um, and, and certainly the enemy is affecting the culture around you and I, and it's like boiling a frog, right? We sip the culture, we sip the culture, we sip the culture, we think it's okay, this is funny, this is good, it's all right. And then slowly, the culture starts to stack up, but we don't realize what's going on. Slowly, you put the, the frog in cool, um, tepid water, I mean, uh, uh, um, um, just room temp water, and then you slowly turn it up, right? And the frog won't jump out of the pot. He just slowly understands that it feels good, it feels good, it feels good, and pretty soon, you know, he's ready to go with the side of, I, I don't know, Brussels sprouts, you know? So you don't, for me, it's like, don't eat the frog and don't eat the Brussels sprouts, <laughs> all right? But, but that's what happens. I'm telling you, the enemy's doing the same thing with our, our, uh, our, our um, entertainment media. He's doing the exact same thing. Let's just slip this in, slip this in, slip this in, slip this in. You just keep eating it, eating it, eating it. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And pretty soon, it's okay. That's what's going on in our world. That's what's going on in your life. That's why the enemy is attacking our children because he wants to destroy us and our relationship to God. That's what he wants to do. How's he going to do it? I, I, just, I just have been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. How is the enemy, if, if we take this serious, if we understand the war, how is the enemy going to destroy your marriage, your kids, your family unit? How's he going to do that? And, and I believe wholeheartedly this is what it's coming down to. By keeping you personally too busy for God. You don't have time to wake up in the morning and go and sit and be quiet with God. I, I, listen, I know the stories. I know the stories on my way here, on my way there, while I'm standing in the shower with God. It's like, don't need that picture in my head. Um, but, you know, there it is. Okay, and we've got these things. But when do you just stop and say, this is my time, Lord, with you? Because I'm telling you right now, if the enemy's going to destroy your life, the most significant way he's going to do it is by wrecking your relationship to Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be like he's going to come in and destroy and tear it down with facts and figures and doubts and science books and things like that. No, no, no. He's just simply going to make you too busy to stop and spend time with God. That's all he's going to do. Because when we, have, we don't have enough time to put God in, God doesn't come back out in the situations he puts us in. Can you imagine if we ate food the same way we spend time with God? If we fed ourselves with food the way we feed ourselves spiritually, what would that be like? And we say, wow, come on. The devil can't just keep you away from God. He has to distract you from God. So he's going to keep you too busy. Busy is just a tool. Too busy to read your Bible, too busy to pray, too busy to go to church, too busy to share your testimony with a stranger or a friend, too busy. For Jesus, the scripture says in the book of Mark, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Took a deep breath, grabbed a cup of coffee, went and sat down, and was just quiet. 
He just needed to be with his dad. Man, you've got a big day ahead of you. You're facing some, some monumental things. You've got a project that's got to wrap up. You've got end-of-the-year things that have to happen and all that stuff. Man, you can't afford to be too busy to be quiet and be still in front of God if that's the case. That's the very evidence that we need to be at peace in our souls before we move forward. Does God go home with you when you leave this church? Or does he stay here? I'm just saying, are you living out like he is? My wife asked me the other day, I was talking to myself, and she said, what? And I said, nothing. She said, no, 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 no. What were you doing? I said, I'm talking to the Lord. <laughs> I just was going through my day talking out loud to God. We can't afford to leave God here in this building. He has to go home with us. He's got to go to work with us. He's got to go on the job with us. He's got to go to our kids, our kids' sporting events. He has to go with us everywhere that we go. Number two, he's going he's to wreck our family by making us too busy for our family. The devil will distract you and make you too busy for God, and then he's going to start making you too busy for your family. And this is, this is the truth. Husbands and wives, stay with me. Too busy to date your spouse. When was the last time you went on a date? Well, Pastor Joe, you don't understand COVID. Listen, you can get around that. And by get around that, I don't mean do something illegal. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm saying there are things that you can do. Away from all the people, go see the leaves, drive in your car, stop and get an ice cream. You know, whatever it takes to shut down the noise. I have taken to the place where, for the most part, when we go on a date, my cell phone will be in the, in the car unless there's some things that we're working on that, that we have to do. Sometimes it's a working date, and just for the record, that doesn't qualify as a date for me. But it's still, we're together. See? Shut down the noise. Too busy to date your spouse. Too busy to play with your children. I love my children. I had a blast raising my children. They're all grown. I wished I had spent more time on my hands and knees with my children. And I, and I feel like I really enjoyed my children, but I feel like I wished I spent more time on my hands and knees going like that. My wife will often say, what are you doing? And I'll say, what? She'll say, you're driving the car over there going and I say, nothing. And she says, that's where your grandson gets it, making all them noises. <laughs> See, we have to have time to play with our children. And sometimes he's making you too busy for your family by making you too busy to come home. You should find more affirmation from being your spouse's spouse, your children's parent, than you should ever find from your career. You should. You really should. Coming home should be wonderful. I cannot tell you, and again, it probably had something to do with that day one we got married thing. You know what? Yes, I got a wife. You know, I had some doubts. But I got a wife, and I want to run home and see if she's still there when I get off of work. Yes! It's like waking up and going, yes! She's still here! It's the same thing. 
Being home has to be important because here's the deal. You will do what is important to you. You really will. I'm not saying you'll do what is important. I'm saying you will do what is important to you. Your children will end up too busy. You want to know how God's going to, I mean, the devil's going to destroy your family? Because he's going to make you too busy, and he's going to make your, your children, you're going to help make your children too busy. He's going to draw your children away from God, not away from the church. Anybody can go to church. He's going to draw them away from God, not the church. We can attend church. Sitting in church doesn't make us a Christian. Hanging out in my garage doesn't make me a car. That's the truth. But do they chase after Jesus? Our own lives and whether or not Christ and chasing after Christ is vital and if our lives are productive or are they passionless and unfruitful. Cultural activities will always try to draw your kids away because Jesus referred to the devil as the prince of the power of the air, the culture. That's who he is. He'll make us too busy for our relationships, and I kind of said that about dating, but I saw this thing on social media, and I want to say something about it, okay? I'm still trying to figure out how to say it correctly, and the fact of the matter is I disagree with it, okay? Now, I get the sentiment, but I'm going to stick it out here anyway, all right? It's sad to me that people will say, marriage is hard, but divorce is harder. Listen, divorce is harder. I'm just telling you right now, the, the devil is going to take a lie, he's going to wrap it in enough truth, three degrees from the truth, and it's going to be out there. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe that marriage is hard. Let me qualify this, let me just keep dealing with it, and you're allowed to disagree with me, okay? There are times in marriage where you go through hard things, but marriage is not hard. I said to my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to, and this is the word I was speaking to her last night, to cherish. And I want her to feel cherished. Okay? And to be faithful to you alone till death do us part according to God's holy ordinance. So I take issue with marriage is hard. Respectfully, marriage is not hard. Let me, let, me, let me just show it to you. Let me just show it to you. When you were dating, was it hard? It wasn't, was it? Because you put the other person first. And then you get married and you start taking each other for granted. And then you want, instead of yielding to them, and I'm not saying one person should yield to the other, each should esteem each other as better than themselves, the scripture says, but we start taking each other for granted, and, and, and then marriage gets hard, and it's not that marriage is getting hard, it's that I have become or opened up the idea that I've allowed my selfishness to rise up inside of me. No, I want a new car. No, I want a new house. No, I want some new shoes. No, I want to spend money here. No, we need to go on vacation. No, I want to do that. No, I want a dog. No, I want, and, and we go, and the dumbest thing, you squeeze the to toothpaste in the middle, you have got to stop squeezing the toothpaste people and you really have to be psychotic to do that but listen you've got to stop squeezing the toothpaste in the middle and just for the record according to the patent and I will turn it around every time the toilet paper goes on the outside not on the backside it's on the patent if you've seen the patent for toilet paper it goes over towards you not away from you the other way some of you people are just you're not getting it but I'm going to tell you right now I'll straighten out the toothpaste every single time and keep my mouth shut. 
I will grab that toilet paper off, turn it around, put it back on. It takes me that long to do it. And keep my mouth shut. Because people fight about some of the craziest things and say marriage is hard. It's not hard. Like I said last week, sometimes you have to get out of your own way. And I'm not saying that sometimes it's not your partner. I'm not saying that at all. Sometimes somebody rears up, it gets ugly, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm just saying marriage really is not hard. It's not. But there are hard times in marriage that you have to work through. I believe that with all of my heart. Wednesday, my wife and I went to Hobby Lobby. That should really be the end of the illustration right there. <laughs> Am I right? I said, why are we going to Hobby Lobby? She says, I saw a Christmas tree. I said, woman, it's not Thanksgiving yet. She said, I know, but I saw a Christmas tree that I would like to put in our bedroom. I said, what? In our bedroom? Are you kidding me? She said, it's a real skinny one, and I want to see if you like it. And that's code. That is code for put the back seat down. That is what that is code for. And sure enough, we walked in there, and it was this past Saturday. It's not even Thanksgiving, and they're sold out. Once again, if you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, you are psychotic. If you bought all the Christmas trees at the Hobby Lobby, think this through. It's not Thanksgiving yet. So I did what was necessary and bought that tree and put it in my bedroom where it looks like Narnia. And I asked her, did she not want a lamppost in the wardrobe brought back from the other room and put back in my bedroom? And she said, no, we're fine. So now... I'm looking for a bow for Christmas and a deer stand to put in the tree so I can get her when she goes by. It will be awesome. I have a taller ceiling in my bedroom. I bought the tree. You know why I bought the tree? I bought the tree because I promised to love and cherish her. She unplugged the lights so I could sleep because she promised to love and cherish me. I told her to go ahead and plug it back in. I would look the other way. She said, I have a sleep mask. I said, for real. For real. She said, okay. We esteem the other as better than ourselves. And it's not that hard to do if you get off the throne. If you want a strong marriage, it can't be just about you. And then finally, the devil's going to destroy your life by making you believe his lies. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's lies, Jesus said to the, to the uh, Pharisees. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is, there is no truth in him. He is a very real being, and there's no truth in him, okay? When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, yeah, because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. The word Satan means accuser or adversary. Day and night, the scripture says in Revelation 10, then I heard in a loud voice, in heaven say, now have come the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. The devil wants to eat your lunch. 
He wants to destroy your life by just lying to you. I'm just telling you, when somebody tells you something for years and years and years and years, you don't believe it at first, but pretty soon you begin to buy into it just a little bit. Maybe I'm worthless. Maybe I'm too big. Maybe I'm not pretty. Maybe I'm not handsome. Maybe this is all the job I'm ever going to get. Maybe we're never going to make any more money in this. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I can't go to college. Maybe I can't do that. Maybe I can't. All the devil's doing is whispering in your ear and giving you an invitation to believe his lie. Maybe it's never going to get better for me. All he's doing is whispering in your ear and telling you a lie, getting you to give up on your hope that is in Jesus Christ. Where the Lord is, is saying to you that we are hooper nikeo, we are more than conquerors through him, through Christ who loved us. We are more than conquerors. And instead, we hear the enemy say, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Nobody loves you, nobody likes you, you don't really have friends. And we begin to listen to that and we begin to buy into it because when you hear something over and over and over again for years, you begin to wonder, is it true? You own the lie that you've heard so much, and that's how the enemy is going to wreck your life. You want a new job? Go apply for it. You've got just as much opportunity to win that job as anybody else with God on your side. You want a deeper education? Stop telling me you're too old. Abraham was 80 when God gave him a whole new life. Think about it. I guess he was 75. Think about it. Joseph was 80 when he became Pharaoh, Pharaoh. What about that? What about God doing something in your life? What about not forgetting that God wants to give us a miracle? What about choosing to believe when the enemy says, but not you? Yes, God wants to give people a miracle, but not you. Because he's trying to wreck your life, he's going to say, but not you, but not you, but not you, but not you. Yes, you. Yes, you. God wants to do a thing in your life. Don't let your guard down because there is an enemy who is seeking to destroy. Don't push past the barriers that say, it's okay for me to flirt with somebody outside of my marriage. Don't push past those. Don't push back past the barriers of ethics and morals in your job and in your career. Don't push past them because once you push past them, the rest of them will fall like dominoes anytime you want to sin. Don't make excuses for why your sin is okay. You can't do that. It's not. Jesus died for it so that we could come away from it because the devil longs to wreck your family. I still believe that God wants to do a miracle in your life. Paul said, this is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most, most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, the, the Lord's will is. God wants to move in your personal life today. He wants to begin to do something because the enemy's been lying to you long enough. He has been. Because all he wants to do is distract you from your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all he wants to do jobs, careers, money, wayward children, wayward spouses, drugs, alcohol, poor choices. It doesn't matter. God's not here to shame you for them. He's here to draw you back, to bring healing to your life. Can you let him? 
because that's what he wants to do. I don't know what the devil's been saying to you that you've bought into. But this morning, I'm concerned that our families are being destroyed because we're listening to the devil lie to us. And we're living in fear. God never meant for you to be living in fear. Because the battle's won. Excuse me, the war's won. We've got a few skirmishes we have to work out. But the war's won. It's a done deal. We've got to be faithful. This morning, I wonder if it's time for you to just say, hey, I need this, Pastor Joe. I need this very thing this morning. We're going to have our prayer time the same way we did it last week. I'm just going to invite you. If you feel like the Holy Spirit's been saying something to your life and you're like, today, I need God to touch my soul, then I just want you to stand up. That's all. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We're still trying to be careful and appropriate with the whole COVID thing. But if you're in here and you're like, wow, this one was for me, can we pray for you? Don't be proud. This is not a time to be proud. Can we pray for you this morning? All I want you to do is stand up. That's it. Because I believe that God wants to do something in your life. I'm not the 50 verses of just as I am guy. But I want you to have an opportunity. I want you to know that I still pray for you during the week. But we come here to get recharged, encouraged to have God grab a hold of our heart and just hold it because the enemy's been throwing arrows at it. All right. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's this simple. You were born a sinner, separated from God. You did not sin and separate yourself from God. Because of Adam and Eve, you were separated from God. But God loves you because he loves you so much and he's not mad at you and he's not angry at you and he's not upset with you and he's certainly not through with you. He sent his son Jesus Christ because he loves the world so much. He sent his son Jesus Christ to come down here and die for your sins. Somebody who's perfect died for people who are sinful and he is called the great exchange. We got his perfection. He got our sinfulness on the cross. He became sin for us. We became the righteousness of God. It's that simple. When I recognize I'm a sinner and I say, God, you're right. Here's my life. It's that simple. No magic prayers. No, it's just the place where you come and you say, God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. That's when the Holy Spirit enters you. That's when you're sealed with the promise that we sang about this morning. That's when you belong to the family of God. And then the next thing is baptism. If you haven't been baptized, give us a shout. We've got a pulse coming up on the what? 22nd of November, and usually at Pulse we do baptisms, and if it's time for you to be baptized, that's nothing to be ashamed of, that's something to be excited about, hello, I'm chasing Jesus, and I want everybody to know, it's that simple, let's pray, God in heaven as we come before you right now, some of these people God have been out in the jungle too long, because they're afraid and they think the war is still going on, and they don't have the opportunities to live in the victory. They're being distracted by the enemy. God, I just ask and pray that you would draw us home. I just ask and pray, God, that you would come and, and be here amongst us and move us and give us an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that will just wreck us. And then we'll see a glorious revival in Madison County. God, I pray for the other churches of this county. Ask and pray that your anointing would be upon them pray that the truth would come out, that hope God would run like a river through this county. Not because of what's going on, but because of you. And I pray that
that hope without any rocks or anger or hate attached to it can be birthed and born in love and will be the hope that humanity is looking for in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, your truth. We ask and pray that you draw us forward in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer people to go out there behind their tables. If by some chance you would like prayer, they will be out there on the other side of the tables waiting for you to pray for whatever you want um, as we go through this song.